0: The
1: And welcome to the Exxon. My name is Rob McConnell and uh, we're coming to you from the broadcast center and studios of Relmar McConnell Media Company in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. If you'd like to send me an email, exxon at exxonradiotv.com on all social media sites, exxon Radio TV. And if you'd like to find out what programming we have available for you 24-7, 365 on the Exxon Broadcast Network, visit www.xzbn.net. And to find out the television programming schedule for the Exone TV channel on Simultv, www.simultv.com. Exxon Nation, my guest this hour is Mary Rodwell. She is the founder and principal of the Australian Close Encounter Resource Network. She is co-founder and director of the Dr. Edgar Mitchell Foundation for Research and Extraterrestrial Encounters. She's a former nurse, midwife, counselor, hypnotherapist, and Reiki master, international speaker, researcher, and author of Awakening, How Extraterrestrial Contact Can Transform Your Life, and The New Human, Awakening to Our Cosmic Heritage. She has produced two award-winning documentaries, Expressions of uh, ET Contact, A Visual Blueprint, and Expressions of ET Contact, A Communication and Healing Blueprint. Mary has also produced five series of meditation CDs, such as Inner Alchemy, and her website is www.maryrodwell.com.au, as well as www.acern.com.au. And Mary, welcome to the X-Zone.
2: Robert, it's an absolute pleasure. Uh,
1: Tell us, uh, Mary, tell us a little bit about ACERN.
2: A CERN is uh, why, why I founded it was that I found in the late 90s when I got involved with this that were very few professional organizations. You know, there are lots of amateur mm-hmm. organizations, the UFO groups, etc. But no one who um, had what I call the, the professional counseling skills and, hypnothera- um, and hypnotherapy to offer those with experiences, those that were having encounters. Right. And I wanted to give them a little bit more confidence in who they were connecting with. That was the primary reason for creating a CERN.
1: Now, did you yourself have your own ET experience?
2: I ask this a lot, Rob. No, I haven't any conscious recall. And I say that because mm-hmm. there are many people that don't have conscious recall that may actually be involved without them realizing it. But um, it has helped me in many ways be Um, uh, have a clarity that sometimes can get in the way when you've had experiences. So it gives me an objectivity and a neutrality, which I think has been very useful in my work.
1: Are alien abductions and ET experiences common in Australia?
2: They are certainly common. They're common globally because Mm -hmm. I've worked with over 3,000 individuals now uh, globally. So I'm, you know, it can be from Africa, Russia through to South America, and it's literally a global phenomena for sure.
1: Are these contacts on an increase?
2: Well, that's a hard one to know because I get the tip of the iceberg, the ones that actually realize it's going on, and many don't Mm -hmm. realize that what they're experiencing is this form of contact. So is it on the increase? I would say a lot more people seem to be aware now this is what they're experiencing, probably due to the publicity and people coming out writing books on it, et etc. et cetera. I think this has given people more of a, a way of working out what's going on for them.
1: What are some of the um, red flags to you as a professional that someone has undergone in a, an, a, an a, either an alien abduction experience or a close encounter contact?
2: Well, interestingly, many more people are seeing craft and taking pictures of them. And that for them may be the point where they will write mm-hmm. to me and say, Look, this is an interesting image. Can you look at it? One of the things I've found, Rob, is that with many people taking these pictures, often it's relevant to them on some level. So I will often say, send them a questionnaire and say, Have you had any unusual experiences through your life or childhood? And in in a high number of cases, those that have taken pictures will actually then say, well, actually, I did, but I never knew what it meant or whatever. So, you know, that's one of the red flags. Anyone who's taking lots of pictures of UFOs, Mm -hmm. it can mean that it's relevant to them on some level.
1: Is there a common thread between the people who have these experiences?
2: Um, yes. It's intergenerational for a start. Um, for, in many cases, I find that if someone's had experiences, both their parents, mm-hmm. grandparents, they'll always say, you know, my grandmother was always interested or my grandfather. So there is without doubt an intergenerational link. Many of them seem to have RH negative blood. Um, we're still trying to work out what 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 that is or why that's so important, for example. So there's, there's two um, very much. Uh, what I would call significant indicators that this might be relevant to them.
1: In your opinion, Mary, do you think that these visitors, these um, guides, these spirits, these UFO occupants, these extraterrestrials pose a threat to the humanity of this planet?
2: Oh, that's a difficult one because I get conflicting information Mm -hmm. all the time and I'm very uh, aware that I don't know what I don't know. Okay. All I can say is that with the surveys we've done with the Dr. Edgar Mitchell Foundation, which were surveys done with um, two very credible um, academics, one is uh, um, one is uh, Dr. Bob Davis, a neuroscientist, and John Klimo, who is a, a professor of, of a parapsychology for forty years. They organised um, this survey with six hundred questions with over 4,000 individuals, and we're actually putting this all in a book called Beyond UFOs, what we've discovered is something some amazing facts from that. And one of them is that 85% in some way had a psycho-spiritual transformation, which was considered very, very positive. And that's quite an interesting one because uh, for the most part, you know, the public only hears the negatives and the fear-based. So we were as surprised by one of those, but the, whole, the book literally contains all the stats and from healing on board craft, 40% had healing on board craft. So there's a, a great deal that the public doesn't know about in terms of the positive interactions. So I would, I would say that if you're really interested in the stats and they, this survey is the first of its kind and will really change, I think, the way that we perceive our interactions with these non-human intelligences.
1: What are some of the negative stories that you've heard from people who've had these encounters?
2: Um, well, you hear about it in the, in the uh, media all the time is, you know, the, the fact that people feel um, very isolated. Mm-hmm. They are very fearful of what, will, uh, what has happened because uh, often as not they don't know or don't have any memory. But, you know, will find themselves not wanting to go to sleep at night, aware that something's going to happen. Um, finding themselves paralyzed and being taken and feeling out of control and for for understandably so this can be very very terrifying and the hardest thing is that they can't talk about it because if they go to your standard psychologist or psychiatrist the first thing that's likely to happen is they're getting medicated and stuck in, in a psychiatric ward so There is fear not only of the experience and what it means, but also if they go to what we call our traditional outlets for Mm -hmm. help on these subjects. Modern psychology doesn't even own people are multidimensional. So, you know, you're likely to be medicated. So there's a fear on a number of levels.
1: Um, Have the methods of teleportation or taking somebody From either their bed or from wherever they are to a craft. Have these methods changed over the years or is it the same way?
2: I believe that for many, it starts out where someone is is taken, uh, is put into trance Mm -hmm. because that way um, they can actually help the person or take them to the craft. As they become more comfortable or they become more accepting, that can change and it can be a lot more conscious. But they also take people out of body as well as physically. So there are two types of ways they will, you know, um, be taken aboard craft or taken somewhere.
1: Are the appearance of the ETs the same or have they changed over the years?
2: So I didn't understand the question.
1: Well, the, the, the description of the extraterrestrials that, that you hear back from these people who contact you, have they changed over the years or is it still the same gray and, you know, our typical little alien?
2: Um actually there's a huge variety of of, of beings that people interact with and that the majority of being humanoids, believe really? it or not. Not the greys, not not all the different ones, the mantid, right. there's crystalline beings. there's a whole range of them and more and more people now. Uh, interacting with a number of different types of intelligence.
1: All right, Mary, please stand by. You and I have to take our first break. ExoNation, Mary Rodwell is our special guest this hour. She is the founder and principal of the Australian Close Encounter Resource Network, and she is the co-founder and director of the Dr. Edgar Mitchell Foundation for Research into Extraterrestrial Encounters. Two websites, www.acern.com.au, and www.maryrodwell.com.au. We'll both be back on the other side of this break as we continue here in the X Zone from our broadcast center in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. My name's Rob McConnell. Don't go away. and welcome back everyone Mary Rodwell is our very special guest this hour and Mary is recognized internationally as one of Australia's leading researchers of encounters with non-human intelligences she has lectured in North America Europe Scandinavia and Asia she has also been uh, featured in several documentaries including a personal one with her son my mum talks to aliens produced in Australia by SBS and that's going back to 2010 i believe it is and ET contact they are here in 2017 and Australian Skies too. Yeah, that was also done in 2018. Mary, welcome back to the Exxon. Great talking to you. Um, why do you think that there is such a, a taboo on this subject? You know, it, it doesn't make any more sense. With all the reports that are going into researchers like yourself and uh, other people out there who have dedicated their life or many years of their life to investigating this phenomenon, giving their expertise, using the, the skills that they have to make a positive difference in the lives of these people who have had, in many cases, the tra- these traumatic experiences. Why, why is it still a taboo? These things are happening. Why, did, why isn't it just accepted so that these people can get more help and you as a researcher can get funding?
2: It's a very good question, Rob, and, it, and it's, it's amazed me um, as a therapist because mm-hmm. I get um, accessed by clinical psychologists, psychiatrists, doctors, nurses, you know, all of those involved in health or the psychological field that are having encounters. Um, and yet psychology today still doesn't accept any multidimensional experiences, whether you're mediumistic Mm-hmm. Or, you you know, you're seeing energy fields yeah. or you're seeing, you know, as I say, all those kinds of things still are considered an aberration psychologically. But so until, we, sorry. No, no, no go right say, ahead.
1: You're, I'm sorry. Uh, go ahead.
2: So th- the primary problem is m- a modern psychology and the way it interprets human experience and what is okay and what is not okay. So the taboo then is that if I come out with this, somebody really mm-hmm. wondering whether they're crazy or not simply because modern psychology says if you're hearing voices or if you're seeing things, if you're seeing aliens, for example, then there's something wrong with you. And this is the 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 main reason why there is that taboo is that, it, you know, that's how it's interpreted. But I think there's something a little bit more sinister than that as well. And whether or not people want to call me a conspiracy theorist, I'd call myself a critical thinker. I agree. What, I'm, uh, what we're finding is here. Is that because of the, you know, the embargo mm-hmm. on this um, whole phenomena? It's it convenient to make out that those are having experiences. There's something wrong with them because that continues the UFO um, and you know truth embargo on the fact that this is really happening and the agendas that go with that.
1: Let me ask you this question then, Denise. You know, you've got millions and millions and millions of people around the world who believe in a god, a deity that they've never seen. They've had experiences that parallel the uh, experiences that, e, you know, people who have encounters in contact with ETs have. And yet, no one is making any, any joke about them. They're taken very seriously. Why the discrimination with, uh, you, you, you know, the people who have encounters?
2: It's a very good question, and it's something that I have questioned many times. Mm-hmm. And there, there was a very interesting joke that's actually real about a gentleman who saw a UFO near church spire, and he actually wanted to know how far, how high the, the church spire was. So he went in and asked the minister, you know, um, could he tell him? And he said, well, why do you want to know? And he said, well, I've got a picture here of a UFO, and I want to work out just how big it is. And the minister apparently said, oh, you don't believe in UFOs do you and he said oh yes he says well you believe in God at least I've got a picture of mine (laughs) that basically tells you um, again how weird it is that we can believe in things like Santa Claus and we you know and and uh, a God that nobody has a picture of Um, but when it comes to hundreds of thousands of hours of strange objects in the sky and hundreds of thousands and I believe millions possibly billions are having experiences, and for some reason or other, that's too hard to grasp.
1: I think I might have stumbled across the answer when you made the comparison of Santa Claus and, and uh, God. Both of those are money-making philosophies.
2: <laughs> yes, I'll agree with that one.
1: You know, and, uh, and the people who are suffering uh, or having these encounters, they're having something that's very real. It can't be spun into something that that can be, uh, for example, instead of Christmas, sometime in July having UFO, you know, ET encounter day or something like that. Until they figure a way how to monetize it, which is which is wrong in many uh, in many channels and for many reasons, but. Once again, with all the people who have had encounters over the years, we're not talking about something that's new. We're not talking about a flash in the pan. We're not talking about something that is dwindling away. It's the exact opposite. More and more and more people are coming forward. More people are having current day experiences. And how many of these people who have these experiences, and I'm asking you as, as, a, as a therapist here, end up with PTSD?
2: A high number. We, um, I'm not sure of the, again, the stats. Mm-hmm. We You know, the survey we did was the biggest ever, over sure. 4,000. We've got it in other languages now. We might get a better idea overall about the numbers that are suffering. But as I said, Rob, the important thing here is some of the trauma is because of the denial. Some of the trauma is that yeah. they have no one to talk to who's going to believe them. Even family and friends are afraid they might be crazy. So, because of the, of the truth embargo, they can't even own their experiences within their own families and, and and relatives. So, there is trauma for a start. A lot, you know, you you've had this experience. It's it's uh, you know taken over your life. You're afraid to go to sleep at night. You don't know what's going on. You don't know if you're crazy. And all of that is often because of a truth embargo that's not allowing these people to own. This is real, and this is happening. And so, you know, a lot of the trauma will will be attached to that, as well as the trauma of being isolated and not knowing what it all means.
1: Why do you think the embargo is still in place after all these years?
2: Because money is involved. Um, and they're making a lot of money about the hidden technologies, et cetera, et cetera. And, I, and that is tied into, obviously, um, whoever owns this planet. And let's face it, it isn't you and me. So we've got, we've got those at the top that know full well that they can utilize a lot of this technology. The more that this is hidden, the, the more power that they have and the way that they can still organize it. Let's face it, once the public knows there's such things as free energy, they know that there are cures for many different things. All of this has been, mm-hmm. you know, part of the ET um, phenomena, if you like, because of reverse engineered um, information from data about... Fibre optics, you know, the digital chip, um, all the uh, Teflon, all these kinds of things came from reverse engineering as well as, you know, the whole thing to do with uh, interstellar travel. All of this is is behind the scenes. You and I know that this is so. There's too many whistleblowers coming out with some of the technologies that they say are hidden. We know it's, it's going on. But until this all comes out, um, we, we're still in this old, archaic, paradigm where we're still using planes you know that are are archaic we know that they have facilities to get around this planet with with certain craft that would take half an hour or even less to do you know go around the globe anyone who wants to know go and look for yourself because this isn't my information this is information that's already out there and um honorable paul hellier of your own your own minister um former minister uh, defense minister has come out publicly and saying this is real there are beings that are um, that are humanoid walking this planet. we have the technologies and yet we're still polluting the planet with fossil fuels. So this is the reason there's too many um, people with um, egg, fingers in the in the greed basket that want to keep the status quo i I've,
1: I've had the opportunity of of talking to Paul Hellier a, a number of times and one thing that that he told me point blank was as, The Minister of Defence for Canada, he had never seen a UFO report of anything over Canada that could not be identified. He's changed his story over the years.
2: Certainly he's done his research since then. I actually met him in Hawaii probably about ten or twelve years ago or whatever. A most wonderful gentleman because he's done his research. He now has verified the information and of course has written about it. And I I find that someone uh, that with that background so courageous to come out and challenge the system, I think is, is um, you know, a wonderful um, kudos to him. And uh, I think we need more of those now coming out and actually owning the truth of this. And it is happening. We're getting it across the board. And slowly but surely, more and more people, you know, I'm meeting people that in the last few years have come out um, with their experiences that would never have done it even five years ago, hmm. you know uh, molecular biologists scientists physicists That are saying this is real and the reason that we started free which is a scientific organization There's exploring the reason how this can happen. What is the science behind it? That our, you know our associate director is dr. Rudy shield an astrophysicist at, um, from Harvard University is create has has talked about the model that allows all of this to be more than possible in terms of the quantum hologram and this is what we're doing now we're getting that information out into mainstream I believe there was a survey in Texas just recently where 99 percent of those interviewed in Texas believed not only were UFOs real but we were being visited now that's Texas of of all um, states to actually come out and and have that kind of poll so I think It is happening, and it's changing very, very quickly now.
1: All right, Mary, stand by. You and I have to take our news break at the bottom of the hour. Exo Nation, Mary Rodwell is our very special guest of this hour, all the way from Australia, where today is tomorrow. Hmm. I still can't get used to that sometimes. Two websites, www.acern.com.au and www.maryrodwell. I'm Rob McConnell. This is the One. We'll be back on the other side of the news. Don't go away. Exonation. Mary uh, Rodwell's research explores the encounter phenomena from a multidimensional consciousness perspective. She has worked with families and children. Her research suggests that the star visitors have orchestrated many complex multidimensional programs to upgrade and activate the con- consciousness of Homo sapiens. Mary believes this is a global phenomenon, and the recent generations of humans called indigos or crystals, uh, some labeled ADHD, dialectic, or autistic, are already awake and conscious of their star origins and their Earth mission to help activate the consciousness of humanity. Mary, with reference to the scientific uh, community and the astrophysicists that are getting involved, do we have the ability and the knowledge at this point to actually understand people who can traverse time-space dimensions? Or at this time, or are we just guessing?
2: Well, I'm not a scientist, um, although I'm connected with a number Mm -hmm. of them. Um, They believe absolutely that the the quantum hologram model is the one that allows us to understand all those things that before were not considered credible or too nebulous, if you like, such as out-of-body experiences, remote viewing, intuition, you know, everything from um, by location to, you know, uh, uh, traveling through portals, or this kind of thing with our consciousness. So there is a model that will explain it. And, and that's something that's going to be in the book Beyond UFOs. And the whole reason why we've done why the scientists have got together is that, you know, it's been very hard to really quantify what is mm-hmm. consciousness other than the, the um, research that's going on now about that, everything to do with, you know, near-death experiences, uh, as well as out-of-body experiences, all these you know, the, the, those that have experiences um, with kundalini awakening, um, spiritual practices, feel that they move out of their body and what have you. This is now being taken seriously, finally, after, you know, psychology not allowing this to be part of our reality. So many people are are experiencing it now that um, it, it's very hard to disqualify it. The quantum hologram allows for that. It's also been discovered in Russia, where they've been looking at the, the DNA. And the Russian scientists who I also mention in the New Human have actually discovered that DNA itself um, accesses miniature wormholes into other uh, to uh, um, other realities, other dimensions. And that's how we access information through intuition. And also, I believe this is part of the communication, and, and such as telepathy, because that allows us to access oh another part God. of our consciousness that isn't trapped in our bodies. Some of the interesting stories coming from the children has um, really, I think, given... Uh, A substance to that one of the reasons I've written many stories with the children their experiences is because they haven't read books they haven't you know um, seen talk shows about this they will come out spontaneously mentioning about other dimensions even when they're seven eight or nine years old where um, they one eight-year-old explained to me that when he goes up on the craft sometimes he goes he calls it evaporating into another form which he called the mantid beings And he will inhabit that form for a time and then come back into his human body. He's not the only one that has um, told me that they've gone on board craft and they will actually leave their human container Mm -hmm. and go into another form for a time, just like we would, you know, need, um, you know, a diving suit if we went underwater. It's a similar kind of process. So what does this mean? Does this mean, in fact, in actuality that our soul or consciousness is not trapped in our physical body, certainly anyone who's astral traveled, you know, and those that use their consciousness in remote viewing or or whatever, you know, out of body are saying exactly the same thing. So, you know, how how many people do we need to explain and, uh, and, and, and that have had these experiences before we have to own that we're more than our physical body? So there's, there's so much more out there now that is, is qualifying this scientifically. What we're trying to do with free is exactly the same thing, saying we cannot deny the human experience of multidimensional reality.
1: Well, if it's so real, Mary, how come not everyone experiences it?
2: Well, there are um, interestingly, I think a lot of people don't even know what it is they're experiencing. Many think it's just a dream mm-hmm. um, when they have an experience. And, and the number of those that have had encounters that say, oh, well, I had this strange dream where I was on a spaceship and they were doing procedures, et cetera, et cetera. The difference is that there are dreams and dreams, and one of them is the dream where you wake up within minutes you forget it. But if it's a dream that you're still remembering in detail 20 years later, that isn't a dream. It just means that you've been taken in a trance state up on board craft because that is one of the ways that they work so that you don't overreact because they say that if they don't do that, people get so frightened, they overreact and then they can't perform whatever it is they need to perform. The less scared someone is, Mm -hmm. in fact, the less they need to do that. And this is what they've told me.
1: So how do you prove this? You know, it's, I understand that a lot of this is taken on faith of the the word of the person who's reporting the the encounter or the sighting of the experience. But how do you vet it? How do you prove or how do you account for who is really telling the truth and who actually believes but never had the experience?
2: It's a very good question and often there are tangible things like marks on the body after Mm -hmm. an experience for example some of them fluoresce under black ultraviolet light. Many find that they've had anomalies like they've been left outside with all the doors locked and there's no way they could have got out but being placed there as another way of proving that this is a reality. Um, The other thing that is really very much evidence that something's happened is that after these experiences, people change. And you don't change after hallucinations. Their psychic abilities are enhanced. They start doing strange scripts. Some of them come out with unusual languages we call star languages or light languages. Many find they have information that they've not consciously learned, downloads of science, physics, um, uh, the whole range of information that they have never read about, but suddenly find they know, their intelligence um, you know, abilities are increased, mm-hmm. they have understanding of things that they have no way of knowing how they have the understanding of it. So there's a whole range of things that is evidence in my, you know, in, in terms of the way that I work with, with individuals where they say I didn't know about this stuff and suddenly I know this stuff, I know how to you know, farmers saying I have got a, I can talk about advanced physics. A 16 year old that tells me that she gets downloads of physics and sends it to me. What I do then is I, I move that information onto the scientists mm-hmm. and they look at it to qualify whether or not that is something that is useful or valid. And this is part of what we're doing because they get downloads of free energy um, devices and a lot of these now are actually being looked at and explored. How do you explain that unless what they're saying is actually real? How can you you explain changes in psyche and in their, the way they want to live, well, more holistic um, ways that they want to live, unless something real has happened?
1: Unless something has, unless they have heard something that's been picked up by the subconscious as well. Something that they've seen has been picked up by the subconscious and goes into recall. That is one of the explanations that... That other members of the scientific and medical community put to these situations. But here's a question for you apart from that. Why would extraterrestrials send down information on physics when how do we know that they even use physics?
2: An interesting question. One of the, um, I'll, I'll explain a, um, a nine year old that okay. I was talking to his father in the US. A nine year old said to me that he wanted to speak to me. And um, I said, well, why do you want to uh, speak to me? And he said, well, it's because of your frequency, which was an interesting thing for him to say. Mm -hmm. And he said, I want to tell you that I have recall of my previous existence on Orion. I was a light physicist and I worked with time travel technology. And he said um, his biggest problem now is that the physics on this planet is so primitive that the only one that would be close to it was Nikola Tesla. Now, this is a nine-year-old explaining this to me. Mm -hmm. Now, you tell me why he would bother to tell me that and why he would say such things, Mm -hmm. unless on some level this is absolutely what he believed. You know, this is the kind of information that, you know, uh, I'm getting from children under 10 where they're talking about other dimensions, portals, etc., which are not on cartoons. No, but they're
1: not on cartoons, but every kid has an iPad, has an iPhone, smart televisions. Kids are a lot more savvy than when you and I watched cartoons on a Saturday morning. The information yes. is made available. So once again, how do you validate the statements? It's great for a kid to say that he lived here, there, and everywhere, but how do you prove it?
2: Well, you can only go with the numbers of children that mm-hmm. are coming, coming out with those kinds of statements and say, why would they bother to even tell their parents or even tell me unless there was some valid- validity to it? And what we're doing now is we're looking at that information. And because I have the access to people with the skills to evaluate this kind of information, that way I think will, um, as far as I'm concerned, will give evidence that there's some tangibility to this. We're still working with the non-physical realm. We're still working with with um, psychology that says you can't you can't um, have experiences out of your physical body. So we're working with if you like, an inaccurate 3D paradigm, which isn't allowing us to own our multidimensional experiences to start with. So until we can do that, we can't start measuring in the way that we would like to. But certainly surveys and things that we're doing now are a start to getting some validity to what is going on.
1: Mary, stand by. We've got to take our final break. Exonation. Nation, Mary Rodwell is our guest. Uh, two websites, www.acrn.com. AU and www.maryrodwell.com.au. I'll be back on the other side of this break as we wrap up this hour here in the Exxon from our broadcast center and studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. And you're watching the Exxon TV show on Simul TV. Welcome back, Mary Rodwell is our guest. Uh, two websites, exonation Maryrodwell.com.au and star I'm sorry, and acrn.com.au. Mary, why don't you what do you believe the the reason is that the visitors just don't land so that it cannot be denied anymore that they are here, what their purpose is. Wouldn't that blow away the truth embargo?
2: That's a question, and it's a good one. Um, and I, on one level, I fully agree with you. It would be really cool if that finally happens. Mm. But you know, the answer has always been, you know, why don't they land on the White House lawn because they'll be shot at? Um, and that's that's sort of the bottom line, and that's what's been going on, of course. Um, and this is, I, I know, the public generally isn't aware. But the uh, the research that I've done by whistle with, with whistleblowers and what have you is there are many crash craft that uh, the the the, um, the uh, well I'd say that those in the shadow governments mm-hmm. behind the scenes have already got, but we are not um, privy to that because they still don't want us to know it's true. Certainly, I do believe the sightings are have been accelerated more and more which you know gives people more and more of an idea just like the texans who now believe that we're being visited simply they must you know take on board the hundreds and thousands of sightings across the globe i think the last is, the last statistics were every six minutes around the world someone's taking a picture of a ufo it's probably more than that that's just the ones we know about but i agree it would it would clarify things a great deal if finally you know they were to show themselves but mm-hmm. again will they be shot at maybe that's you know, part of the problem. Um, but in the meantime, what is happening is that more and more people across the planet are realizing this is real and that, that there is a truth embargo. So I think for the moment, there may be come a point where the visitors decide it's safe enough to show themselves. But in, the, um, but in the meantime, there are many more people owning their experiences across the globe. And I believe disclosure will happen from the ground up when you get more and more credible people admitting that they've had experiences. And, I, you know, this is what has come to me is that the credible people that have been in touch with me from all professions, all disciplines right across the globe, mm-hmm to me gives a validity to it that um, I think you know, is going to make itself known to mainstream before too long.
1: If the visitors are so highly advanced, why would they need to worry about getting shot down? Couldn't they just disarm the weaponry that our, our very uh, old technology has at this point?
2: Um, with conventional technology, perhaps, but you must ha- you, I'm sure you're aware of that there is technology that we don't know about, that they got from the craft themselves and from uh, that, that technology have developed certain um, abilities and armament that that they know how to take them down now because they they've reverse engineered a great deal of it. So they've got um, whistleblower testimony is, is stating or alleging. they've got technology thirty years in advance. Of anything we know about um, at the moment and that's the these black ops these you know these shadow um, governments and what have you know full well now a great deal more about how to take them down and this is the reason they're having to be a lot more careful with how they show themselves
1: but is it necessary that we who are not involved with the safety security of our, uh, our respective countries do we really need to know everything for example if we, the public, know about it. The enemies to Canada, the Australians, as well as the United States would also know about this. Isn't uh, a cloak of secrecy necessary when it comes to national defense?
2: Oh, gosh, uh, I, I'm not, um, if you like, I don't know how it all runs on mm-hmm. this planet. I mean, I only know what mainstream is telling us. So I can't say one way or another. But from what I've understood, there are far more more benevolent um, intelligences out there than that that may or may not be benevolent. From what I'm gathering, but we do know that we're still very insular as human beings. And until I, I think that when this is out, this should bring us all together as a species rather than divide us. But unfortunately, there are still many factions that still see it in a very limited um, way. If we could only understand that you know, they're, they're very likely our ancestors and that we, we are a species that have been, uh, I believe, intelligently designed by them, then that should change the psyche of everyone and t- take away the divisions and start and maybe start to get, um, if you like, us to understand that we're, a, you know, we're homo sapiens sapiens, we're, we're a family. Um, so the way that I look at it is it should bring us together, not divide us.
1: Well, I'm sure that if more people had proof instead of a lot of hearsay that they read on the internet or they see on these so-called reality shows, that that they would be more inclined to believe if they had the experiences themselves that, that so many other people apparently have, I could certainly understand them getting on board. But until there is what the other side classifies as proof, since they don't have the experiences that some experiencers have, you're, this problem is going to remain I think that the only the only thing that would alleviate any doubt is the landing of a craft and and uh, in such a way that it could not be denied but we talked about you talked about whistleblowers and and I've often wondered with all the hackers that are out there across this world if the information of ETs, the presence of ETs, if Roswell was real, and all these other claims that are being made that nobody can has brought any evidence forth to substantiate, if a, if, some, if a hacker could break into a database, find this information, and just plaster it all over the internet, wouldn't that serve the same?
2: Absolutely. Um, but, you know, what would happen again is that that, that would be totally denied and it would be um, said that it was uh, rubbish. Um, that You know, this is what they've done all along. Um, in I spoke to a, an intelligence officer mm-hmm. many years ago and he said part of his job was to intimidate anyone who had experiences. That was part of the program of, of creating, you know, this whole disbelief. This ridicule was part of the propaganda to stop anyone owning their experiences or being believed. I have no reason to believe any of this has changed, quite honestly.
1: How do do listeners know who have never had an experience, who have never seen a UFO, who have never had an out-of-body experience, and and many of the other uh, flags that to you as a therapist who works in this would indicate that they have had a true experience. How can they know that the UFO community is not feeding them with false flag information in order to create something that isn't there?
2: And a very good question. All I can say is um, there's plenty of information out Mm -hmm. there that has, you know, that they, if they're really interested, they need to look for themselves. At the end of the day, this is a personal thing, isn't it? It's either you choose to accept that there is something happening on this planet that is, profound in terms of who we are, what we are, and why these beings, uh, these non-human intelligences are interacting with us. There's enough information for them to explore, to decide at the end of the day, whether or not this is something they choose to believe or not. For the experiencer, it, it, it's a, it, it isn't a problem because they know, they see the beings, they interact with them they gain information from them, they're taught by them, they have healings by them, and the book Beyond UFOs really will have it all. Um, If they are sceptical in any way, if they want to look at the reality from a quantum hologram perspective and how it's explained in terms of our realities, then that's a really good one. But there are many other wonderful books out there now written by credible researchers. And it really is up to you at the end of the day. Do you want to know or don't you want to know? And if you do want to know, then start looking, and and ultimately we've got our own resonance to truth. There's a feeling and a knowing that you get when somebody's telling their story, whether or not that fits for you or that resonates with you. And at the end of the day, we're told many things in uh, in schools that are a load of rubbish. You and I probably know just a, a great deal of how much of that isn't true, and we don't we don't know any better. But we do find out that certain information resonates with us, and ultimately that's all we have.
1: I've got a minute left. what, What are your final words for the Exxon Nation tonight listening?
2: I would just say if anything I've spoken about interests you, don't take my word for it. For goodness sake, go and look for yourself and decide for yourself whether or not that fits and resonates with you, because ultimately that's all we've got.
1: Mary, where can our listeners get copies of your books?
2: They can get it through Amazon uh, and a lot of other distributors. And if you're in Australia, you can get it direct from me.
1: And what are any special events that you're going to be appearing at in Canada the United States that our listeners might be able to drop by and say hi?
2: Um, not till possibly next year, but I'm doing the six-week tour in UK and Europe starting next month. So I'll be in Glastonbury and a number of venues there. It's all on my website if anyone's interested.
1: Mary, I want to thank you so much for joining us. Take care of yourself. Safe travels. And I look forward to the next time you and I meet back here in the Exo.
2: Thank you very much, Rob.
1: You take care now. Thank you. All right, Exo Nation. Mary Rodwell was my guest this hour. And her website is www.maryrodwell.com.au and www.acern.com.au. Are you a skeptic or are you a believer? Send me an email, exxon at exxonradiotv.com is my email address. And I would love to hear your comments. Do you believe with what Mary was saying? Is there proof? Is a holographic model going to give anybody besides the believers the proof that they're so desperately seeking? We'll have to see. We'll be back on the other side of this break as we continue here in the Exxon from our broadcast center in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada, Don't go away. ¶¶